Welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 234. We're going to entitle it Compromise or Capitulate. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, once again, I'm going to delve into both politics and religion. The two so-called forbidden things at the dinner table, uh, and often laughed at by the late, great Erwin Baxter. Uh, If you don't know who that is, you need to check out his show. It was quite uh, informative back in the day. In any case, so I have two examples. So, you know, I've talked multiple times about how especially lately, but this has been going on for a century at least, the American church, and and by the American church, I just mean churches in America, in any church for that matter, but just we're going to use specifically the churches in America. They decide when somebody comes up and they have some new idea, some fresh take, some new intention, interpretation, if you will, of what the biblical standard is of something. And they profess that in front of the crowd. They they promulgate that upon the church body. And the majority, particularly in the modern church, the majority will say, well, you know, we got to hear them out. We got to be, you know, compassionate and give a good faith hearing to this. Never mind that in many cases, the Bible's quite clear on, no, that's wrong. It doesn't matter anymore because we have to be compassionate. We have to compromise on the matter. Well, no, I mean, I would like to see them go try that in, I don't know, an Islamic temple. I'd, I'd like to see them go do that. Well, actually... They do it pretty much everywhere else, don't they? They go in and they subvert the plain meaning of the text. They they make stuff up to promulgate or protect some new point of view or some something, and they and they bring it on. And unfortunately, a good number of our church leadership just kind of go along with this. Well, you know, it's the spirit of the age. We're going to listen to it. We're 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 going to compromise on. You know, well, we're going to allow this, and we're going to preach to it, or we're going to meet these people where they're at. You know, God loves everybody. There's no real hate. You know, all these nice talking points, bumper sticker, you know, things. But the reality is, is when somebody comes up and says, "Well, wait a minute here." No, actually, the Bible's quite clear on this. And it doesn't even matter what the issue is. It's quite clear. This is what it says. And as Christians, right? And if you're not a Christian, I'm sure there's an example. And in fact, the second example will directly relate to something you can relate with. But as a Christian, we're looking at it and we're saying, well, no, actually, this guy is right. You guys are wrong. And he's shown us why he's right, because he's refuted all of your flowery words that obfuscated, or obfuscated, ah, whatever. All those flowery words that confuse the matter, that uh, dusted up and covered over what the clear meaning was. 
the inversion has been called out. And now, now the person that's being faithful and is speaking the truth is the one that's derided as being the problem. The one that's being called divisive. The one that's being called intolerant, hateful, whatever your pejorative is, that's the one that suffers when they're being true to the text. I mean, we see the same thing when it comes to uh, constitutional issues, right? Some court will find there's a right here that we never saw before. Or they'll say, no, actually, you don't have that right, even though it's existed for 100 years. It doesn't matter. It happens all the time. And so now that, you know, I'm refreshing your memory on the things I've said about the church, right? And perhaps you're one of the ones that thinks we need to compromise, that we need to just kind of go along to get along. You know, we're just going to preach that love stuff and he wants to save everybody. Oh, everybody gets to go to heaven. It's just one way, Uh, every path. Well, no, actually, that's not what biblical Christianity teaches. Now, if you want to go to a Unitarian Universalist church, that's, that's your choice. Go for it. I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm going to tell you you're wrong, but you didn't ask me. So let's bring this over to politics. As some of you may be aware, in Collin County, we censured our sitting U.S. Senator John Cornyn. And the reason why we censured him is because he violated our principles. And quite frankly, he supports laws that violate the Constitution. The Constitution is quite clear on things, as are our principles in the Republican Party platform. And I know it's kind of a fun game that some of these elected officials will just do whatever they think they can get away with and tell us, pound sand. I'm your rep. I got elected. I got the money. You can't get rid of me. Well, yeah, maybe that's true. But here's the issue. When somebody stands up and calls out a spade and says, no, actually, uh, Mr. Cornyn or Mr. Crenshaw or Mr. Abbott, or whoever the person is, you violated the principles of the Republican Party. Now, you claim to be a Republican, so you have to live up to our principles. You claim to be a constitutionalist, so you have to actually live up to what the Constitution says. And if you go and violate that, we're going to hold you accountable. Well, the same types of people that have subverted and were compromising in the church and actually ultimately brought about capitulation in a great number of the Protestant denominations and even the Catholics, for that matter, those same people are mirrored in the political world, in the Republican Party in particular. You see, because we're actually trying to hold our elected officials officials accountable, because we're expecting more of them because they claim to be something, they're articulating that they agree with our principles, agree with our platform, agree with the Constitution, and silly us, we want them to actually follow that. So we call them out on it. We say that they've done a bad job, but then our friends say, well, no, you know, we got that whole 80-20 rule. And I mean, myself, I believe 70-30 is usually good enough, but they say, you're being divisive. You're causing strife. You're hurting the party. You're supposed to be all about the big tent. 
you, you, you need to just be more open-minded. We just need to compromise. Is that a compromise or is it a capitulation? Because when you don't stand for anything, you stand for nothing. If you're not going to protect the principles, which, I mean, there's 10, 10 principles or eight. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's not like there's 330 planks. There's 10. If you can't even agree on those principles and you're going to go violate them while claiming to be a Republican, you're the problem, not the person calling you out. Now, I know a good number of these kind-hearted, let's call them moderates or... No, I'm not going to be pejorative. We'll just say they're the moderates. They're the ones that want to compromise. They want to go along and get along and they want to embrace the big tent. Okay, that's fine. In fact, I probably would embrace a larger tent than most people would. But in my world, there's a bright line. You don't violate the constitution. You don't undermine the constitution. And I'm talking about the 10 amendments. I'm talking about the body of the text. You don't work towards overthrowing that or eliminating it or undermining it or subverting it or inverting it and get to call yourself a Republican, much less a constitutionalist. And I reject the notion that people like me who fight back or push back at that, that we're the problem. Clearly we're not. I mean, I work with people that don't feel the same way about pre-born murder as I do. I work with people who don't feel the same way about legalization or decriminalization or whatever you want to say in drug policy. I work with people that are quite okay with bombing brown people overseas because, well, the federal government told us to. I work with people that legitimately think that building a wall is only going to be used to keep out the invaders. I don't necessarily agree with all of that. But I know these people, and most of them have good hearts, and they are very concerned about our country, and they see the problems. And I agree that those are problems. Many of these things that we agree upon, we don't necessarily have the same solution, but we agree that we have to preserve and protect our Constitution. We have to protect and preserve our state. We have to protect and preserve Texas and what makes Texas special. And when you're, I don't know, taking in thousands of people from California, New Jersey, Illinois, and New York every year, and then you couple that with a, I don't know, a few hundred thousand people that honestly are just coming here to take advantage of the social services and... And I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm being generous. A good number of them are escaping a terrible place and looking for a better life for their children, but bring no discernible benefit with them other than they're willing to work. And most of them will work their tails off. So it's it's a dual-edged sword there. We are, quote-unquote, a nation of immigrants, but the people that came here came here to get a better life and to participate and provide for their families. But I wonder what percentage and how harmful does it become when you bring in hordes of people from outside Texas that don't share the Texas values, that don't share the Texas mindset, that don't share the Texas culture. 
And I am fully aware there's both a Tejano and a Texian culture, which largely has merged. We respect and enjoy the people that come here for the right reasons. But if you're coming to ruin Texas, we don't got a lot of toleration for it. And when we import people here and they run for positions of power, and then when they get in those positions of power, they bring New Jersey with them. They bring California with them. They're not doing us any favors. We're compromising away our liberty. We're compromising away our property rights. We're compromising away our culture. I don't see how that's helpful. That will only bring about capitulation. So most of the churches and the Protestant mainline denominations have already capitulated. A good amount of the Republican Party leadership has already capitulated. Indeed, I would say most of the National Republican Party, quite frankly, is no different than what the Democrat Party was 20 years ago. And that's not a compliment. Now, the the party leadership or the mm, biggest voices in the Democrat Party are just all-out socialist, crazy, Marxist, I mean, they would like to see us all dead at this point, I think. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but and just because 20 years ago they didn't want us all dead didn't mean that they weren't Marxist and Leninists and flat-out socialists. No, of course not. We knew this. We called them out on it. And those same people have infiltrated and poisoned a good number of our leadership because, you know, they want to go to those parties and they want to hang out with people. And then they bring that stuff here. And then they vote against us. They undermine us. They subvert our constitution. They, quite frankly, take a dump on our rights. They dismiss us, the people that get them elected, their supporters, as being a mob. But we're the people that is the problem, allegedly. The the compromisers of the party, the people that want the big tent, they would rather throw all away that the make the principles meaningless mean make the constitution pointless just under the idea that we want to win the race that our team needs to be in charge but if our team isn't our team and our team isn't working to our principles what good does it do to win those elections that brings us back to well how do you fix it well that's what the primaries are for but how do you get better people in the primaries? Well, you have to give them a leg up. You have to give them an entry. So if you're not always compromising away everything, indeed, if you avoid the capitulation and you hold these people accountable and you say, no, we actually know we need you moderates. We want to work with you moderates. We know that we don't agree on these couple Issues, Or maybe there's that even the 30% threshold that we just don't quite agree on these things, but they're small potato issues. These are, these are lesser concerns on the 70% we agree on. We're all in lockstep and in all the bright line, red line things that we just can't disagree on, or we're tossing each other out. We get along on those. We we're on the same page, maybe not the same sentence, but the same page. The problem is. When we refuse to hold the people accountable that are in fact 
not on the same page, not in the same paragraph, not in the same sentence, but not even in the same book. And you call them out and you want them to be held accountable. Those same people ought to be saying, well, you know, actually they did cross that bright red line. They violated the constitution. They violated our principles. I'm not going to protect them anymore. Look, I'm not even asking them to, I don't know, put on their big boy pants and go vote to censure them. I'm just asking them to acknowledge that the problem are the people that are selling us out, that the problem is the elected officials that won't hold to the party principles. They get the claim to be part of our party, but then disregard our principles. They're the problem. We can compromise when we're working with people that are of good faith or in good faith working on the same uh, problems. We can agree to disagree on a proper solution for uh, an issue that we both agree is existent and that we would like to resolve it. And sometimes say, well, you know what, we could try your idea or, you know what, we're going to try my idea. Or maybe we can compromise on a solution that maybe marries together the best of both worlds and we might actually fix the issue. The underlying concern I have is that the people that we sent to office that are supposed to represent us found out that if they don't actually fix the solutions, it makes it that much easier to get reelected. If they don't actually solve a problem, they get to grow government and their power and their influence. They get to become more important because, well, we have no other choice but to go to government to solve the problem. When in fact, government has caused the problem. And if government didn't actually cause the problem, they've made it a hundred times worse by getting involved in the first place. You see, this is a self-fulfilling, self-perpetuating problem that we deal with when we trust government, when we trust elected officials, because we are left with the notion that we have no other choice, because we're afraid that somebody else from the other party might win a race, because we're afraid that we might have a weaker candidate or somebody that might have to work harder. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm fine with compromise. There are plenty of things I'm willing to compromise on, but I refuse to capitulate. I refuse to bow down and I will much rather die a free man than live a life in chains. Our founding fathers felt that way. A good number of people felt that way many times over the centuries. And I'm beginning to be concerned that there's not even 3% of the current American public that agrees with me on this. Now, I think we might have more than 3% in Texas, but Texas can't do it all on its own. Well, unless, of course, it goes off on its own, but that's another story. We have to be willing to hold our people accountable. We have to be willing to actually take shots at the people that are allegedly on our team. We have to make them do the things that they say they believe. We have to make them, I don't know, follow the rules. At least do more than play lip service every two, four, or six years to those principles and those people that help put you back in that position where you're supposed to be representing us. But instead, we have people that cower. They would rather compromise away fundamental human rights that are protected 
by the Constitution and given by God because they're afraid that we might lose an election. They're afraid that the court might give an opinion that doesn't agree with them. They're afraid the government might abuse its power a little more than it already does. Well, I, for one, am tired of it. I'm tired of the capitulation. I'm tired of the constant compromise that has led to the capitulation that we live under right now. Now, I, for one, am not enthusiastic about my governor candidate, my lieutenant governor candidate, and quite honestly, a good number of the other candidates. So I'm going to go into the voting booth in November and I'm going to pick the lesser of the evils. Because better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And I know there's going to be some other candidates on there that don't have a D after their name. And I can't promise you that some of them won't get some heavy consideration. I can't promise you that even though I'm a good Republican and I work to get Republicans elected, that I'm going to be able to stomach some of the choices I'm going to be given. It's a challenge because every little compromise you make puts you closer and closer to the abyss. You know, the whole adage, right? Well, first they came for the uh, tradesmen. Then they came for this group. Then they came for that group. And then when they came for me, there was nobody left. Yeah, that's all well and good. But when they first undermine the churches and then they undermine the universities and then they undermine our own political party, what do we have left? My friends, you know, I don't like to use terms when I'm in a large crowd of people and refer to them as patriots. I don't because I don't know who's out in that crowd and I don't trust that everybody in that crowd is actually a patriot. I see a patriot as a strong compliment to somebody that I'm willing to vouch for. I have a challenge when I'm in a group to say, welcome to our conservatives. Are they? Again, what have they conserved? What, what have they actually done to protect our culture? I don't know. I, I don't know these people. I, are you willing to vouch for them? I mean, maybe we should look at it as wishful thinking. I have a friend, and that, that he loves to use that term patriots. And I got to be honest, I'm fairly certain everybody he addresses as a patriot, he's quite certain they're a good patriot. I'm just not that comfortable. I'm just a little hmm, reluctant to trust people, particularly people that I don't know or people that have a track record that is less than stellar. But I'm the first to say you got to work with what you got. You know, we've got a number of representatives that hmm, I'll say were less than stellar, but that's who we've got. And when they do a good job, they need to be patted on the back. They need to be rewarded for that. They need to be encouraged to do it more. But if we immediately dismiss them and treat them terrible and call them names because, well, they didn't get as aggressive on this as I did, we're not doing ourselves any favors. Yes, a lot of them have compromised. Maybe some of them have sold us out. We just don't know that yet. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But they haven't capitulated. To my knowledge, not a one of them has capitulated. 
But in their compromised state, how far are they from the abyss? I don't know. You don't know. The only way we can keep them out of the abyss is to put your hand out and say, hey, Mr. Representative, hey, Miss Senator, or Mrs. Senator, hey, um, Mr. or Miss um, House Representative or whatever, you got to put your hand out to them and say, we want to help you, but in return, we expect you to represent us. No more compromise. The abyss is only five feet away from where you're at. You can't compromise anymore. The line must be held. And because I'm not a football guy, I'm going to tread lightly here. Consider our opponents are in the red zone. And we have to defend the goal line. Everything rests on holding the line. You can't compromise another inch. That compromise brings about the capitulation and the utter catastrophe of a loss that may not be recoverable. Every election for the last 10 years is called the most important election ever. Yeah, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But every action from this point forward that surrenders our rights, that surrenders our liberty, that violates private property, that violates the Constitution, that is abhorrent to our own principles. That's the problem. We can't tolerate it. Compromise is fine when you compromise from a position of strength, but the Republicans don't seem to get that. They don't seem to be willing to do that. And ostensibly, our senior U.S. senator, who ought to know better, who ought to be better, has capitulated on multiple things for reasons that I just don't comprehend. Now, maybe, just maybe, he's counting on the fact that SCOTUS might issue an opinion that says the law that they're going to pass is, in fact, violated violative of the Constitution, which I believe to be the case. But then why would you sign off on that? Why would you be okay with that? Why would you put your reputation on the line for that? And then to dismiss the very people that got you elected the last time around. It makes no sense to me. Unless, of course, quite possibly, the man is already in the abyss. And that's a scary thought. Well, my friends, that's it. Compromise or capitulation. We talked about religion. We talked about politics. It's always relevant to you. Because remember, you may not be interested in politics, but politics is definitely interested in you. You could think government is stupid, but government really cares about you. And they're going to put their fingers into every bit of your life that you will tolerate. With that, this is According to Callus. This was episode 234. And if you thought this was worth your time, please like, share, comment, subscribe. Let your friends know that we're out here. We're coming out of <laughs> Cowley County, McKinney, Texas, as often as we can. Thanks. Have a good night.